Contrast uncut, yeah you know that's us Where we only speak the real and the real rock with us Where we motivate the people and the politic on success Oh no we ain't DJ Kelly, but they swear we the best Contrast uncut It's Contrast Uncut. It's season three, episode 29. Man, big shout outs to Uncle Snoop's Army and Bobby D Presents. I appreciate you, brothers. It's your host, Zylo, aka DJ Juan Dollars, like I won some money. Ladies and gentlemen, today we got a really, really diverse and super dope special guest. He's a number one comedy magician out of Virginia. He's consulted for America's Got Talent. I mean, he has a bunch of tricks up his sleeves to prove it. He's a magician of choice for the FBI, U.S. Army, Washington Redskins, you know, Audi, General Electric, some of our favorite artists and singers, and many more. I've seen him personally on YK Osiris's page, and that's what caught my attention. I messed with Kilo as manager, and I was like, oh, shit, this guy's dope. And I'm, if you don't know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about the comedic magician himself, Chris Michael, everybody. Thanks, man. I appreciate this. And uh, while we're recording, that's just another thank you to you for your grace. We were supposed to record this earlier, but we're in the middle of like almost a revolution. So I had to like, I had to reschedule because there's some things going on. So he, he really is like, guys, Zylo is a graceful man. So I'm just thanking you for that, bro. Thanks for having me. What good intro, man. Sometimes I hear my intro and I'm like, is that really me? Yeah, bro. You know, it, it's, it's an accomplishment. And sometimes it takes moments like, you know, the show to... You know, pandemic has me at home, so my kids are a little bit more accessible to me, so I apologize. But, you know, bro, it takes moments like this for my show to be able to recognize all your accomplishments and be able to spit it back at you as a reflection. Cause yeah, you, no, that's awesome. You get so focused on the next hit coming and the next thing you're doing, the next event, the next everything, that you don't have time to sit back and, you know, value the accomplishments of what you overcame and accomplished. Yeah, man. Uh, I feel that on a deep level. And I feel the part of being at home, too. I, I never film in this little space. In fact, since I'm at home, I'm out on my camera, my studio, I'm going to wipe this just to make sure we look good, everybody's happy. There we go. That's why it's on the What's the little one's name? This is my daughter, Zoe. Oh, Zoe. Hi, Zoe. Zylo and Zoe. I like the way that sounds. Oh, yeah. I have a son named Tremere. We call him True. And oh, I like yeah, no, they're, they're problems, and they're messing up what I got going. Baby, no, he, he's really cool, baby. He does magic tricks, and Daddy got to talk to him, okay? So I love you, and I'll talk to you soon, okay? We'll spend time very soon, I promise. And then she tries to slam the door. Okay. Alrighty, parenting 101, you know? Try to work outside at home. You know, it's impossible during quarantine, and, you know, protesting and, and curfews. But, hey. Sure. Um, well, one of the one of the things that I liked about this idea for this podcast is the fact of you motivating people to not be afraid of success. Then I and I, that's such a good way to word it. I think people really are afraid of success. Like that that I, I've never really heard it worded that way. But I think I think you're right about that. You know, I come from a background where my family has linears of success, generational wealth, and then my father made a decision to go from at this point they lived in Virginia and moved to Springfield, Virginia, and they moved to, my father moved to the West Coast in LA. And, you know, he met my mother. My mother was Mexican and, you know, poor. And he passed away in 91, and I grew up in the struggle ever since. And so, you know, battling that, that whole idea or ideology that, you know, I could be successful, even though I'm coming from poverty and coming from all these different areas where I'm comfortable at. I'm comfortable running the streets. I'm comfortable with my friends and doing bad things at that time and not knowing that, you know, there's no value in that. What the hell does that prove? You know, all it does is get you in jail and fuck up what you're really trying to prove in life. And so, you know, all of that has definitely layered me into an onion layered skin, my man, myself into talking and having this show. Yeah. You know, um, I, first of all, shout out to Virginia, man. Springfield, Virginia is not that far from me, man. I, I didn't know that you had, have you been, did you grow up here at all or no? You moved oh, no. I've been there. I went there when I was 12. You know, something I noticed right away when I got out the airport, it was Dulles Airport. And when I left there, I noticed right away that everything was flat. <laughs> like, where the fuck are the mountains? Where are the hills? 
you know, <laughs> why is it so, you know, hum humid? Like, why is my skin sticking? And, you know, I'm from LA and it, it was, it was a way, like a weird awakening. And then I went to Washington DC and then, yeah, I it's, it's love. I love, I love DMV area. My family has a lot of history there. My grandfather worked for the Department of Defense and, you know, he was at the Pentagon. And so, you know, there's definitely a lot of respect and, and admiration for Virginia. Definitely. But let me go ahead and get off my history because, you know, people know who the hell I am and I want people to know who you are. And I got this quote. It's my icebreaker. I want you to talk about it. You know, it don't matter. You're not going to hurt my feelings, but, you know, weigh in on it. Okay. Never tell the audience how good you are. They will find soon out for themselves. Harry Houdini. Yeah. A lion never needs to say he's a lion. You just know. Yes. Yeah. So, um, I think that's true to some extent. Here's where it is not necessarily true is that moment, like for me, you know, I'm getting to a place to where now I don't really need to tell people who I am. They can just kind of figure that out. But, you know, when I'm performing for corporate shows or I'm being hired by a company to do something, a lot of people, when they hear a magician, they kind of like, like, all right, I'm not interested in this. Like, I don't like magic or magic's for kids. And so sometimes when you can say like, hey, you know, I'm the official magician for the Washington Redskins. I'm the performer of choice for the FBI. I work for America's Got Talent. Now, like, for some reason, and maybe it's, like, clout culture in a way, but, like, when you have that credibility, that social proof, they're more likely to listen and take you seriously, where, you know, magician isn't really, like, a serious thing. So I, I think it kind of helps. So maybe less of, like, telling people who you are, because they will find out soon, versus making sure that they know that you're credible. But I, I do agree with the statement, definitely in some way. You know, we all have to start at some point and we all have to have those creative tools within our brain to enhance opportunities and make something of them. A lot of the people that do make things successful definitely made their time useful when they had the opportunity to do so. And, you know, as we could both say, I've only been doing interviews in my podcast show since December of 2019 to, you know, you know, I had to start off somewhere. It took somebody to invest into what I'm doing to put their brand behind it for other people to have more attention to it. Other than that, yeah. you, you're just a, a, a piece of anything, a piece of a dot on a whole panel of a whole bunch of people trying to do it. And then, you know, you have to develop and you have to instill your value in relationships and show and prove and, you know, walk the walk, talk the talk and be able to come back and do it again. And three seasons since December is not bad, man. So you're definitely not afraid to walk the walk. You know, here's one thing I'll mention about that icebreaker you said. It really got me thinking. So good icebreaker, bro. Like you said to weigh in on it, tell you what I thought. I, man, I like that. Especially you started with the Harry Houdini. It's not always a Houdini club quote, is it? No, no. I okay. use different people. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, bro, if you're like, that's crazy that you haven't had a magician on you to open with Harry Houdini. But um, part of that is... It doesn't do you any good to tell people how good you are. How many times have you met somebody who says they're a rapper or a musician or they're an artist? Uh, not even like a like a song artist, but like a physical like painter artist. And they say, oh, I'm amazing. I'm so good. And you actually were like, okay, like I believe you. You have to hear it first. So saying I'm really good does nothing for them when you can just show them. I think that like your actions will speak far louder than words. And I would even go so far as to say if you say you're the best and then you perform, like – it didn't matter if you actually were the best. I think in my mind, because you had to tell me, I would assume you were. You know, the expectation level becomes very high. It's like all of a sudden, it's like, you know, what can happen? What can happen just based upon not knowing? And then once you say that you put this accolade, you put this credible sources behind you, you have to deliver and deliver. And some people get excited and other people, you know, stick their tail between their leg and go run and hide and go tell someone that someone else needs to do their job. Yeah. Definitely, man. No, that's a good one. So, man, I'm talking about entertainment and magic, of course. Did the game choose you or did you choose the game? Yeah, you know, I always wanted to be a doctor growing up, but my mom really wanted me to be a magician. So, no, that's not true. <laughs> a lot of people think I'm serious about that. Um, you know what? I think the game chose me, man. I really do. Like, I don't think that's the story with most magicians, but I just – I never needed to make it work. It was just working. Like the, the real moment that it clicked in my mind, I've been doing magic my whole life since I was young. I have a very similar story to most magicians, but where it really clicked for me that this was something that was valuable, not just something I like to do, was I had gotten invited by my friend Austin to go to King's Dominion, which is like a Six Flags or a, 
I mean, you're from Virginia, or you've been to Virginia, like Bush Gardens, maybe. Like, it's a theme park. Gotcha, gotcha. The... So I got invited to go, and I was like, yeah, I'll go. And we pull up, and he's like, all right, man, yeah, it's going to be like 60 bucks to get in. And it just, like, I had this thing feel in my stomach, like, oh, like, the way he was inviting me, I thought he was going to pay. I don't really have the money. My family's kind of broke. He's like, oh, no worries, man. I'll just talk to you. Just ask your dad for the money when you get back, and you give it to me. I knew my dad wasn't giving me $60. Like, he wasn't giving me $5. You know what I mean? So I he I was I had to tell him, like, look, man, I don't have the money on me, but, I'm, like, maybe we can go do something else. Or, you know, maybe, like, I could sneak in, whatever. And he was like, bro, I bet you if you just did some card tricks, like, out front and asked for tips, you'd make that money quick. And literally I did. The first card trick I did, someone gave me 20 bucks. Next one, five bucks, 10 bucks. I was just doing it. I got 60 bucks in less than like, I would say it was less than an hour for sure. And I got right in there and I was like, I enjoyed that trip to the theme park more than I ever would have before because I really worked hard for it. And I was the whole time thinking like, oh my gosh, what if I did this every day, you know? So uh, obviously now like I'm not going to be hustling out of, out of the, outside of a theme park. They kick you away really fast, but um, that moment for me, I got, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. I know the song that was playing when we pulled up and everything. No, the interesting part is the the admiration of the hustle. Like, I've been the kid that, you know, we all lived in an apartment building and we couldn't go to the movies because we couldn't afford it. And we'd yeah. all get together, share each other's clothes, look nice, and then beg people for change so all <laughs> five of us could see the movie. And we did it every Friday night. <laughs> and, you know, it's the whole hustle, of, you know, that high of, you know, getting it accomplished. And I feel like that's exactly what your, your proof of the whole joy was is that you got it accomplished. You wanted to do this and you did. Yeah, and shout out to my friends who really pushed me for it. I, I never even really thanked Austin for that moment because it's just something that, you know, I've accepted as such a fact. He probably already knows, but I, I should definitely tell him. Same thing with second time I really had the hospitals when I, when I was in college. Uh, actually, a little bit before I went to college, my family actually was homeless. They got evicted from their home. Really long story, but um, they didn't have a place to live, and obviously they couldn't find a place they would afford very quickly. Um, so I ended up living with my grandparents for a while. When I went to college, I had all this awesome financial aid because the government was like, oh, you don't have money for school? Like, here you go, which was a blessing. Like, for once, I felt grateful that my parents weren't well off. I got to go to school, um, like, in the city that I grew up in, and uh, somehow, and I don't know if it was my mistake or somebody else, I just, something didn't go through with my paperwork on the second semester of uh, freshman year, and I didn't have that financial aid anymore. And I was like, getting requests to pay my bills. I couldn't sign up for like homecoming or anything because there was a hole in my account. I couldn't like register for classes. I was like, I really, really, really got to make this money. So I was going to apply for this internship where essentially like paid houses for money. And my grandfather was like, who, who always told me to go to college and like focus on, on a backup plan rather than the magic for once was like, I bet if you took the same amount of time investing in an internship as you did in yourself, You'd be able to make just as much money. And right away, I built a website. I made business cards. I started going to Comic-Cons. I started going to conventions and just, like, doing the same thing I did at the um, at King's Dominion, the theme park. And I was able to pay for my college. And it really felt like I was fighting for my life, but I loved the fact that I was actually doing it. Oh, yeah. Definitely, definitely. So what was, like, your – so would you say that, you know, you – utilizing your skills and talents to pay your own bills through college. Was that your first confirmation that comedy is what you're, I mean, but magic and comedy is what you're supposed to be doing or was it later on in your career where you started to get these big brands and companies supporting you and requesting you to come back? Yeah. Um, I still feel like I'm not there yet. Like I, I don't know what success looks like. I don't think I would know if it fell on me in the middle of the night and woke me up because like, a lot of my friends tell me, hey, man, you're so successful. Or like, congrats, you made it. And I'm like, I don't think I did because there's this thing called the yellow brick road that I believe in. You've seen The Wizard of Oz, right? <laughs> there's no place like home. There's no place like home. Yeah, so the yellow brick road is like, I think that what you're going after, like when they got to The Wizard of Oz, that was the worst part of the movie. It sucked. The entire movie was about getting there. And they get there and they're like, oh, okay, like that sucked. So I don't think you can look at the end result ever. You can't ever say, I just want to be successful. You have to love the process of getting there more than actually being there. So for me, I determined the journey of trying to be successful as me being successful. The moment I stop and get complacent and say, hey, I'm here, like that's the moment I feel like I'm no longer successful. So 
um, I haven't had a moment where it hit me, but a moment where I knew it would be viable was when I was sitting in a film class one day and I was sitting with my professor and I just didn't want to write this paper. I, by the way, I finished college. I never dropped out, but I was sitting there. I'm like, you know what? I think I'd do more. Like this professor is trying to teach us how to put on like a, like write a really good show or like a script. And I had been performing my own magic show where I wrote my own script and everything. And I'm thinking, I'm like, I probably get paid more money than my professor right now trying to teach me how to do what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Fair enough, fair enough. So that, was, that was the moment where I was like, you know what, like, I don't need people to tell me how to do what I'm doing already because I'm already doing it. What is your definition of success? Yeah, um, well, like I just talked about, I think, I, don't, I won't really know it even if I see it, but just being on the journey and, and really loving what you do, like always going after the next thing for me is the success. There's no one thing. It's the pursuit of the next thing that's success, you know? Hmm. So it's, it's, it's not so much the chase. It's not so much the chase. It's just the fact that you're hunting and you'd rather be hunting than gathering. Yeah, man. I like, I, I told myself, so I set this goal. It's like, okay, I want to hit 30,000 followers in 30 days on Instagram and I'll, I'll be set. I hit 30, I think I hit like 32,000 followers in 30 days on Instagram. And I was like, all right, that was like what I would define as success. As soon as I got there, I immediately was like, all right, now I got to hit 100K by the end of June. So it was like this. Evolve, level up. Yeah, what I thought was going to be the moment for me just ended up being like, I woke up that morning the same way I woke up the morning before, you know? Yeah, that shit didn't make a difference. <laughs> no, bro, it didn't. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug my phone in here because I just I have a fear it's going to die. I don't know why my phone's been draining like that. Can I move this forward? Is that unprofessional? No, you're all good, bro. My producer will cut this out. Kev, make sure you cut this shit out. Yeah, Kev, I'm gonna Kev, listen. This up. I'm gonna turn it and I'm gonna take my uh move my table back. I thought it was called uncut. Oh, it is. It's just uh that's the whole point is where we talk and we curse and you know, there's no filter to what we're talking about is uncut. But no, this thing gets edited and it gets put together. It still has to be a show. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. Being, just like your kid's coming in, like, this is my version of that. My phone, I don't know why I just drained so I drank 20% on this call already. I don't know what's going on. Oh, it's all good, bro. Yo, now I'm here. Clean <laughs> this uh, off, too. Clean this off, too. Get it looking good. Definitely cut this out because my belly's in the picture. All right. Oh, no, we're going to leak that to TMZ just so you know, <laughs> all the girls want you more and we get no. back. <laughs> no. All right, I'm ready. Yeah. All right, boom. So what are some of the highs and lows you face working as a magician and, and you know, coming coming to the game where you're at now? Everyone always talks about the product we see today, but no one wants to know about the highs and lows they face to get there. Yeah, man, I got a lot of lows. Like those I can remember, the highs. Two. Um, Just two, two of each. Yeah, yeah, so, okay. I think one of the lows was I think, okay, I'll, I'll share some of the lows I'm going through right now because I got two really low lows. Now that I'm finally, like, popping off on Instagram, I finally perform for celebrities all the time. I just got, like, approved for my show on Amazon. Like, I've got all these really awesome things going. There was this moment where I realized that people who don't have the drive or maybe they don't even know they're doing it, but there's so many people trying to copy what I'm doing, like, almost exactly carbon copy what I'm doing. And when I reach out to them to try to give them advice and they say, okay, yes, and then they just continue to copying, it's like, I, it's not even because I don't want myself to look less unique. It's because I want there to be more magic out there that people can respect and love and that are unique to them. They're trying to do what I'm doing because it's successful, but what I'm doing works because it's me doing it. I want to see what they come up with and what they can do. So, you know, right now, one of my biggest lows is just trying to manage like me being in my lane and carving this lane out for myself and seeing other people run quickly behind me. And it definitely sucks because like, it's like I put up the ladder for me to get on top of my own house and I had my purposes to get there and other people are climbing up that same ladder to like, why do you even want to come up here, man? Like what was your, what's your goal? So that's one of the lows I'm really facing right now. And I, I have trouble with that every day, but I'm, I'm learning. I'm new to that. So let, let me just give you a word of advice. Cause I deal with that shit all the time. There'll be people I interview in the next week. They're starting a podcast and you know what? <laughs> Number one, continue to give advice to them because 
they are trying to do something you already do. So you attracted the wealth for them to do it, but they don't understand the process that it takes to do it. So if they don't care about it, forgive them and keep on moving because they'll be fading away just like a lot of other people that try to do what's not natural for them. Dude, exactly what you just said is what I realized. Is like they don't get the process. Like they just see the end result. They don't see the process. You know what I mean? Um, so that's, yeah. And actually just on that topic, I got a phone call late last night at like 1 a.m. By the way, if I'm running behind to my other thing, I don't worry about it. I'm not worried about it. Let's just keep going. Uh, the uh, the uh, Last night at like 1 a.m., I got a call from this magician. And he was like, man, I don't know. Like, hey, I read your – I just had a conversation about it. Sorry, let me give some context about not doing exactly what I'm doing. Hey, man, here are some things that you can use as tips to, to get on your own lives and be creative in your own right on Instagram. And then he was like, oh, yeah, this is super helpful. Thank you. Like, I'm definitely going to do this. The next day, when I went live with YK Osiris, YK Osiris was trying to add me, but Instagram wasn't working. And I see him in the comments saying things like, hey, add me instead. I also do magic. Oh, I'm going to blow your mind. And I'm like, bro, you literally saw me try to go live with YK Osiris. I sent it to you saying, hey, can you help me? Can you help tell him to add me because he can't find me? And instead you promote yourself. Like, bro, what is this? So we had this call about it. And one of the things that, I, that just got me through it was knowing exactly that it's like, all right, bro, if you want to try to copy me, do it. But you don't see what I'm saying in the DMs. You don't see that I'm working 18 hours a day from 11 a.m. to 5 a.m. every day. Like, I think, I'm, I think I'll, just, I'll just outwork you, you know what I mean? Exactly. And that's the thing that people don't get. What's authentic and what's real versus what's perpetrated and what's fake and what's trying to be done. You know, the authenticity of what you do is, is you know, admirable to be replicated, but it can't be duplicated. And, you know, that's the importance of what we do. Uh, you know, I, I took a long time to go on my journey to understand the gift I have in communication and getting stories and, you know, broadening horizons and topics and objective conversations. And, you know, it's to the same level of comfort of what you've been able to do with being a magician and adding the comedy factor in there, not being afraid to tell jokes while you're being, you know, crazy with what you're doing. You're already yeah. looking over here. You might as well have them laugh and look up while they're looking away, you know? Yeah, that was one of the big things with me is a lot of magic is based in, and I'll get back to the topic in a second, but a lot of magic is based in like what they think a magician should look like and what a magician should say. And a lot of the time it doesn't fly. People can tell when something's corny easier than they ever have in their entire life. So just like, just say what you want to say to be funny. Like talk, talk to your audience the same way you talk to your friends, because if you're able to make your friends laugh, make your audience laugh, like stop trying to sugarcoat it. And you know, and that's one of the things I want to say, but the other low is I'll keep this one short because it's pretty simple. I think it's not as uh, like a moment, but something I struggle with is balancing the CEO hat, trying to run a business, you know, being a good businessman, but also creating magic and then being the performer of it and then needing to do the social media. Like I have employees and everything, but because I'm kind of the visionary for all of it and I know where, which direction I'm going with everything, uh, I sometimes struggle in being really good at one area and then other areas suffer. Like there's been moments in my career where I've had all this success. I performed for these big companies. I've worked with these TV shows, but I really felt like because of that, I was the least creative magician I knew. Um, it's just hard for you. Like focus is really what determines success. But if you're trying to split your focus into multiple things, sometimes you can feel like you're not, you get that imposter syndrome. You know what I mean? Bro, when you go from prioritizing and then allowing other things that have the same type of validation or not necessarily validation, but hold the same weight in your success and moving forward, you know, that part, it's like, you know, I can't put that weight on this person because I got to do it. And what ends up happening is you end up thinning yourself out. You spread yourself yep. out so much that you went from being uh, uh, mayonnaise to now you're melted butter. That's how, my hair, that's how my hairline got like this. It's trying to do too much. You know what I mean? Look at that hairline, the Vegeta hairline. Oh, bro, I got it in my beard, you know, but I allow this to be the natural course and don't get upset <laughs> about it. You know, I allow it to grow and be something different. So, you know, sometimes you got to take an angle and, you know, find a way to make it unique and not so much of why is it not this and why is it not that? Because yeah. you know, the greatest growth is in yourself. And I can tell that you've been through a lot of the same stuff I'm going through because the way you're answering these are the exact same things I'm starting to find. So it's, it's funny how people will say things when you're not in the position that you're in, like you're like, you're very many years behind and they'll say it and you'll be like, okay, that makes sense. But then when you really get there, you're like, bro, they were dead on. You know what I mean? Like it's relatable. 
Bro, I've been the person that has been in a passenger seat and has stopped someone in a Bentley or, you know, an expensive car and asked them what they do for a living. And they've had the audacity to tell me that I have a better life than them. And I'm in a bucket that is, you know, rolling on a, 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 a whatchamacallit, a spare tire. Like, you know, it's the worst situation. We just dropped our family member off at work because we're all sharing a car. But he's telling us we have a better life than him. And, you know, that perspective always hit me like, whoa. What's so different about what I'm doing? What gave that energy for him to say that? I've, I've told something similar before where um, like people will ask me what I do or whatever. And I'll just like, I'll just tell them, I just do what I love. And that that's the answer I give because when I start try to tell them, Oh, I run an entertainment company. Or, oh, I'm a magician. Like I know that they think in their mind, these are things that I could never do. You know what I mean? They start to put it in a box, but you don't have to be a magician, run an entertainment company. You don't have to be a CEO. Like you just have to do what you love and find a way to make a mon make money at it, and the rest will come in. You know. Plus, I'm a faithful person, so I give a lot of glory to God. You know, Amen. I feel like He helped me provide for myself. So, you know, I will say this: I learned this, and I learned this recently. Progress lies where the rules are broken. Dude, and, yes. Uh huh. You know, and you know, I can attest to it as the look on your face and how you said that. You can attest to it. And, you know, that's where the real discovery is. You know, I bring up the story all the time. If it wasn't for the Beatles kicking in the damn guitar speaker, we wouldn't have bass. We would not <laughs> have bass that people love in every sound of music today. And, you know, it took the breaking the rules. Who the fuck is going to kick their speaker while they perform? Nobody. But yeah. It, and then, boom, look, we got this unique dynamic sound that lasts forever. Just, you know, like the greats, the, the David Copperfields, the Houdinis that decided to play tricks with your mind and show you something but take it away and then you know the whole illusion effect kicks in and you know without those abilities you would never think the impossible is possible yeah magicians have this rule book where it's very strict you must be the best dressed person in the room be the most eloquent speaking you know always look to your audience member in the eye like there's all these rules that are very strict like even the way you sit like and when you don't do it you get trashed by the magician community because like hey you're not following like like there's like a sacred code of being a magician and like i respect it I understand it. I follow it to a degree out of respect. But when I started doing my own thing and saying, I'm not doing the same thing that a million other, there's not a million magicians out there. I'd be surprised if there's like a hundred thousand, but you know, that thousands of other people are doing and not being successful at it. Like I think I need to kind of get out of this a little bit and swerve right a little bit here, you know? So, um, and even my sense of comedy now, like I, like I, I'm the only magician who's getting out there and like, you know, getting out on stage winded, telling people I just took a fat dump, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they're gonna have a worse time for my voice to crack. I haven't had a voice crack since I was like 16, you heard that? <laughs> <laughs> See, there you go, you got, you already have uh, stuff to say. I forget what the hell, material, you already have material. Yeah, dude, tons. Um, so, one of the biggest moments for me of success, I shared my lows, I think one of my biggest successful moments is just right now, man, like just, to to have somebody like not even just this podcast but just people reaching out to me to say like hey you've clearly figured something out like I've never I, I really just now I think I'm starting to reap the rewards of what I've been sowing all these years so that's really cool you know hey sometimes some people got to come around and say you know the fruits of labor that you've ingested and spit back out it doesn't smell like shit it smells good yeah 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 definitely and then another really high moment for me was like the moment that my my grandfather, not when he told me to do the magic for money, but when he kind of like tried to convince me to drop out of school, he's like, why are you even doing this? Like, you're really killing it right now. Cause my grandfather, I hold everything he says is like the law. Like he's the man, he's, he just knows what he's talking about. You know, he really pushed me to go to college. He motivated me to stay in college. And like, that was like the number one rule for him. Um, especially with my family not being as well off and everything, you know, he knew that was my way out. But then like my junior, senior year or whatever it was when he was like, I think you should just do your thing. Like leave the school stuff behind. That was for me a moment. I was forever is, is burned and etched into my mind as like, if I can impress him, I can impress anybody, you know? That catapulted your career. That was your real big confirmation. I asked you earlier, what was your first confirmation? And you see, you brought up this moment and you know what, it's now more of a greater moment than I initially thought, because yeah. that is the moment where people get pushed. There's, see, there's, there's these elements where people have people around them to push them, 
or they have a, another person give them an opportunity. There's something that happens there. A lot of people just don't get the initiative to push themselves. And so, no, yeah. I appreciate you giving me the testimony and really making sure that people understand it's important to push others to be something that they want to be or something that they just don't see in themselves, but you see it. Yeah, man. You know, one of the biggest things that I have to tell people all the time is I think so many people think that what I'm doing is perfect. And it's weird because now that I have all this following and I perform for these celebrities and companies, the same stuff I was doing at 300 followers, you know, making, you know, $3 for a magic trick is the same that people thought were stupid, by the way. People would be like, bro, you should stop doing that. That's dumb. Is the same stuff that I'm putting out now that people tell me is genius. You know what I mean? So what I'm trying to tell you is perfectionism is the enemy of results. Just stick with your gun. Stick with what you like to Like if you're trying to make things perfect, you'll never put it out. And right now in this society, the name of the game is content and consistency. Like how many people can you get in front of? And the only way to do that is to continuously put stuff out. It doesn't matter if it's perfect. You know what I mean? Content, consistency, attention. You forgot about the third part. That's the number one tool in society right now. Because well, when I, I say that. I said, like, you know, as much eyeballs as you can get on your stuff, the better. Like, attention is what's monetized, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. When we were kids, the way how our minds ran, they didn't say we had ADHD. They said, sit your ass down. And yeah. you know, versus now, it's actually glorified that your brain runs that much. Oh, hey, now we're having transitions every two, three seconds in a music video commercials have transitions every two seconds you know there's now this whole element that complements the brain that runs that fast yeah uh, that's one of the things that I, I struggle to coach with I do business coaching for magicians you know I think business is the biggest word in show business and so many people romanticize the magic and the performance they forget about the business part and that's one of the, the things I find difficult to teach is like because I have the ADHD and my mind is just churning so fast like I can watch YouTube video, write a novel. You know, I wrote, I wrote two books when this quarantine started just because I didn't feel like sitting still. You know what I mean? Um, so not, not back to back. There was like a month in between, but still, like, I never thought. And it, Anyway, when I have to work with people who can sit still and it's hard to get them motivated, like, for me, that's the most difficult thing because, like, I just have it in me, you know, to just go, go, go. Once people start getting in the go mentality, then I can work with them. But that, that initial push is the hardest for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. The people have to want it. And, you know, it's a selection process, too. That's why I say, does the game choose you or did you choose the game? And, you know, the perfect answer in that situation is you guys both have to agree that you guys both chose each other. Because yeah. at the end of the day, if you don't have that same driving, you know, admiration to get it done, you're not going to get it done. You know, you could take someone from a third world country and bring them to America and they're going to say for every dollar, eat the most cheapest way and be millionaires in, in a couple of years type of ordeal versus the people that grow up here and won't leave their bad neighborhood and will continue to live like that. And, you, hope, you know, sadly, they may die or end up in prison. And, you know, it yeah. takes that whole understanding of the growth. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with that more, man. Yeah, thanks for everything I'm trying to say. I feel like you just, you, I could tell you said it a few more times than I have, which is great. Oh, man, I've been around the block a couple of times. I've been dragged on the ground a couple of times, and I got scars and stories to tell it all. How old do you think I am? Because I feel like you got a few years on me, too, and that definitely helps. Uh, I would say you're about 27. 22, man, only 22. Oh, shit, I'm 32, so there you go. Okay, I figure we might be close, but all right, all right, not bad. Yeah, no, just 10 years, and honestly, age ain't shit. Life is all about experience. Yeah. Period. Life is all about experience. Yep. And you know what? On that note and that moment, I'm going to get into my awareness segment because, you know, awareness is everything that we have right now. It's money, power, respect, but the most power comes in knowledge and how you yeah. incorporate it and how you use it. That's how you get respect and that's how you get the money. And so I have this whole segment of where we're talking about police interaction. And I'm yeah. talking about the last time you're pulled over and, you know, I asked my guests when's the last time they were pulled over and what's some advice they can give to somebody that's in the situation of being pulled over. And please, yeah. if you have a story about you using magic tricks to get out of a ticket, I wouldn't mind hearing that. Oh, dude. <laughs> yeah, I got stories like that, man. Quite a few. I drive a lot. So I tell people sometimes my job as a magician is a glorified truck driver because I drive cross country every day to go do a show. You know what I mean? Like, 
people think that my that like not even my life but just the life of a performer is this like luxurious thing just because like i get this really nice stage and this really nice green room well i'm not in that green room like i'm too busy slamming arby's because i just got to the theater and i got grease on my shirt and i have to get out there and do the show for two thousand people before i get in the car and drive to ohio to do the next one like um I, i'm really just a glorified truck driver who does magic tricks you know when i'm on tour and um so I'm driving all the time. So I'm driving tired. I'm driving hungry. I'm driving late. You know what I mean? I got to get somewhere. So uh, I have had my fair share of times being pulled over. Um, I'll, I'll, this one time that I, I regret, I was just 18 years old. I had a show. I had to take a test in college. And it took me way longer to take the test than I thought because I thought I studied. I was like, I'm not going to have 20 minutes. It took me like an hour. So I'm running behind. Get in the road, I'm flying down I-95, which is the interstate that goes from Florida to Maine, flying on I-95. I get pulled over by a cop. And my biggest mistake in that moment was calling the school that I was performing for in Maryland to be like, yo, I got pulled over. Like, it's taken a while. And when I showed up, man, like, I didn't realize there was, like, a school assembly waiting for me, man. I had to roll into, like, hundreds of kids. And, like, the principal was like – hey, like, you know, if you didn't speed, we wouldn't be in this. And anyway, so not the story I wanted to tell, but worth pointing out there that I regret telling them I got pulled over, like super em embarrassing. That actually really sucked. I think that school hates me now. Oh, God, I should call them. Yikes. Hey, you know what? It's all good. You're on a show presented by Snoop and, and Bobby D. And you know what? Shit's going to happen where they just got to say, you know what? He's cool now. Yeah, I hope so, man. I um, the other the most recent time I got pulled over was just before quarantine started. Um, I was driving really tired. Now I got a Tesla, so it drives itself. But I was in my Mazda this time because my Tesla won't charge. This is a whole situation. But um, I, I'm driving my Mazda and I'm falling asleep, and it's like it's like veering lanes. You know what I mean? Um, now I actually was just trying to get off on the on the exit. So like I veered once, snapped myself, I was like, all right, I'm going to get coffee and pulled off on the exit. Cop right behind me, lights go on, pulls me over. And like the the amount of how tired I was, it really sounded like I was drunk. I wasn't really making sense to the police officer. I'm in this nice suit and I'm telling him I'm coming from a magic show and like I'm slurring my words and he like didn't really believe me. He's like, what's all this in the back? And I got this thing that looks like a body bag. Also, I have a fake severed arm for my show in the back seat. So I'm like, oh, God. So he's like, he wanted to give me a, a test. Now, he asked why I was fearing. I told him I was just trying to get a coffee. He was like, all right, well, like, let me get you a ticket. I don't know what happened. I told him I was a magician, and I gave him my Instagram handle, by the way. Um, he got back in the car and broke. Now, maybe this is privilege, okay, because I don't know what happened. Like, he told me he was giving me a ticket. He gets in his car and sits there for, like, five minutes. I don't know if he got a more important call or he just didn't want to handle this right now, this potential serial killer. Like, he just flashed his lights and his signs. I'm like, what does that mean? He flashed his lights again. I'm like, what's going on? And then he starts going like this to me. And I just pulled off and left. And I was paranoid the whole way home. I'm like, what happened? So I called my friend who's a state trooper. I was like, bro, do you know this cop who pulled me over? Like, what did he say? And um, Dave, his name is Dave. And Dave was like, yeah, man, I just contacted him. Not really sure what happened, but he said that you're good to go. I was like, I don't, I don't know what happened. I think literally because I told him I was a magician and like I was coming back from a show and I was just really tired and he just saw so many weird things in a short segment that he just didn't know how to process. You know what I mean? You know what? To be honest, a lot of the police that I have stories about is that when they process things or something that's crazy and doesn't make sense and then you give them some type of validation and proof that it is, they're like, oh shit, he's telling the truth the whole time. You must be a good person. Yeah, go get your coffee. Get out of here. Yeah, I know. Maybe so that's what I'm thinking in hindsight. Like I gave him my business card. and was like, I was kind of trying to be funny, you know, like like the mood. I was like, follow me on Instagram, you know. Um, and then like he went back to his car to write me the ticket. And the next thing I know, like he and I never seen a cop just flash their lights, which means like you're good to go, especially when he said he was going to give me a ticket. So like apparently I ran a red light, too. I didn't tell you that. I just ran a red light coming off that exit. So I veered, then ran a red light. You know what I mean? <laughs> so uh, anyway, you know, hey, I'm blessed. That was great. Uh, I've been pulled over a fair many amount of times. Those are the two that stick out. No, fair enough, fair enough. And you know what? It's important in those moments that, one, it's okay to be yourself. Two, de-escalate the situation by telling the truth. And three, stay calm. Yeah, here's what I learned. So I used to do this class in high school to get credits, college credits. It was a police class. The best way to be on a police officer's side, especially with everything going on right now, to make sure they feel safe and then also to make it feel like you know that they 
they, they can see that you get it. Scoot your seat back, okay? Scoot your seat back, hold the wheel, and turn on the lights in the car. You know what I mean? That way the officer's not feeling worried. Like, you know, stupid as it is, like, you know, just make sure they feel safe. You know, you never know. You're not, especially nowadays, like, you're not trying to get into anything. So scoot your seat back, hold the wheel, and turn the lights on, and just keep looking at them. I wouldn't look anywhere else. You know what I mean? And I'm going to add one thing, and I talk about this all the time, and it, I don't remember which person told me on my show about this, and, it, you know, it, I've been promoting it ever since. If you recognize that it's something that's not right, the officer's being fishy, he's acting, you know, crazy, and you're being respectful and, and doing everything you can, don't pull out your phone. Just tell him, take me to jail. You know what? You want to give me a ticket? You want to take me to jail? Just take me to jail. You know, de-escalate everything and get to the end result. Because, you know, all the extra stuff that happens is when we're battling not to get to the end result. And the reality is you'll be released in a couple of hours if it's just a traffic violation. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of what you're going to do in between that time where things are getting heated and you're not understanding what's going on and you're not seeing eye to eye with the officer, that's what's going to get you more in trouble than what you were originally getting pulled over for. So. Facts. Facts. Now, bruh, as we just went serious and we just gave advice, I have these next two segments where you know, we, we have a little fun and then we end it off by, you know, rewarding you and talking about what you're working on next and promoting. But before we get there, I got this thing called Trading Places. It's where we take two iconic lives and swap them and talk about it. And, you know, I got Dave Chappelle, Trading Places with David Copperfield. Oh, Question dude. This is awesome. Question <laughs> number one, will it work? <laughs> Bro, of course. Well, hold up. Let me see this. <laughs> so they both have to switch places with each other. Yes, sir. All right. Dave Chappelle is David Copperfield. Like him going to David Copperfield's work, that would work like a charm. But Dave Chappelle can just do whatever he wants. He he is the example of freedom, bro. He literally disappeared for 10 years. You know, he went to Africa. He got offered this money, said, I don't want to do it. Went to Africa, came back, went, moved to a farm on Ohio for 10 years and did his thing. And the only time anybody ever saw him was when he was riding his bike cross country and would just be like, need, he just needs some cash for food. So we'd go pop up a theater show. Like, bro, if David Copperfield was just doing pop up theater shows and not giving a shit and just doing whatever he wanted, that'd be the best magic show I've ever seen. Now, David Copperfield going into the life of Dave Chappelle. David Copperfield is, I, don't, I think he's one of the highest paid celebrities. I know his financial guy. So, you know, excuse me for putting this out there, but he makes $62 million a year. So, he needs structure. He needs to tell people where he needs to be and when. He's gotta like he's gotta have his life like handed to him and be like, This is what you're doing today. He's got so much on his mind. To go into Dave Chappelle's life and just be able to like just to say fuck enjoy it. life. Like David Copperfield doesn't enjoy life, but Dave Chappelle does. So I don't think he would know what to do with himself. So that would not work. I can guarantee it. So what would be one thing different if Dave Chappelle was David Copperfield and David Copperfield was Dave Chappelle? Yeah, if Dave Chappelle was David Copperfield, you'd see, I think you would see a lot more loose scripting. His show wouldn't seem so tight and organized. I think it would be a lot more like personable and informal. And you'd also see that show popping up like in a park somewhere as opposed to in Vegas. You know what I mean? That's just Dave Chappelle's thing. He just likes to fuck with people. So um, that would be the big difference for him. And then David, I think Dave Copperfield, I mean, bro. So look, hold on. Is his body the same? Or they're switching lives. They're switching lives and they're getting the history when they swap. Okay. <sighs> Bro, I don't even I, – I just think David Copperfield would just have a meltdown. I think he'd be trying to get his old life back. Uh, I, I, think he, I think he would know something wasn't wrong – wasn't right, bro. Like, Dave Chappelle would love being Copperfield, but I think Copperfield would panic. He, he wouldn't know what to do with that farm in Ohio. You know what I mean? Dave, I don't think David Copperfield knows how to raise children either. Like, I just feel like – he made someone else do it. I do want to point out one big thing that Dave Chappelle did, which is, you know, phenomenal. And I think David Copperfield would definitely admire is that Dave Chappelle turned down this big old lucrative contract, disappeared for 20 years and came back and signed one of the biggest contracts you could possibly sign as a comedian with Netflix. And yeah. so moral of the story is. <laughs> yeah. By the way, well, if, if their lives were, were swapping a few years back, I mean, what would have happened is David Copperfield would have said yes to Chappelle, the Chappelle show again for to be to get a third season. And what would have happened with that is he, there would have been so many voices telling them you can't do this, you can't do this. Hey, we want this platform to be more uh, suitable for advertisers. And then you wouldn't have all this brilliant comedy being bred from his mind 
So we would lose one of the greatest comedians of our time just because of advertisers. You know what I mean? And that would be, that would be something that I, I would be horrified to see come out of Dave Chappelle's life. So. Now, you know, normally this segment is to mind fuck people into, you know, thinking of some crazy shit. And you totally just flipped it back on me and mind fucked me and thinking about it like, damn, you're right. I should never say that again. Yeah, bro. Like his, yeah. <laughs> Advertisers run the world, man. Like even me with my small platform on Instagram, like I got to be careful what I say and what I do to make sure I can be suitable for advertisers. You know what I mean? Facts. Well, you ain't lying, brother. That's where public relations kick in and media training. So now, here's, something, wait, wait, here's something real quick that people need to know. Do what you like to do and be who you are from the beginning. Because if you fake it and then you get to the point where you can be you and then you start letting loose, all the people who followed you for that fake persona, that fake you, they're going to fall off. Like an advertiser wants you to be you. They want you to make the same type of jokes and content when promoting their product or brand because that's what your following respects and interacts with. Try to do something different, they're not going to interact with it. So, Yeah, it's not authentic. It's not genuine. I would yeah. not have the success I have without being genuine. Longevity is, is you know, what rules the land. Silo, you sure you're not a magician, bro? The way you spread those cards like that, that was pretty professional. Oh, shit, no, but I admire magicians. I love you guys. You guys are funny as shit, and you guys mind fuck the hell out of me. I like doing it with words. You guys just do it with, with tools and tricks, and that's something I cannot do. Yeah, well, I appreciate that, man. So, bro, I have these questions on cards. I'm not going to let you read them just because I know uh, you're probably that quick. And, uh -huh. uh, you know, I want you, the thing is impulse Q&A. So, impulse question, impulse answer. You have the option to pass. But the, right. you got to answer three questions. Are you ready? Yeah, let's go. It's game time. All right. Question number one. What things do you do every day that you wish could be automated? Emails, phone calls. Less is more. Question number two. What's the funniest place you've ever fallen asleep at? Um, a wedding. I really did. A wedding on a boat, of all things. Wow. See, I have this one moment where my ex-girlfriend went to prom with me, and she fell asleep at prom. And, you know, that's oh. bad. <laughs> but you know what? As long as you aren't like the, the best man or the guy that carried the ring or, you know, any of that, any fall asleep, you're good. That's just supposed to happen. It's not supposed to entertain us. I can tell you the weirdest place I've passed out. Hit me. I mean, it's pretty personal. You want to know? You know what? We've been very personal. The only thing I haven't done is tell you my blood type. <laughs> I've never said this to anybody before. All right, I'm going to tell you. I haven't told my best friends this, bro. When I was in high school, me and my girlfriend at the time of three years went to prom. You know, things were getting frisky in the back of the car, bro. Mid, I'm gonna just say mid stroke, I passed out, bro. <laughs> I was so dehydrated. She had to drive me home with my pants off, bro. Wow. You I know, passed out from dehydration that day. And you know what you're supposed to tell her is that that was a magic trick that went badly <laughs> wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, maybe it was God, bro. Maybe, I don't know. Anyway. Hey, I'm happy that you didn't, uh, yeah, because you could be like, you know, I'm a dad. My kid is uh, <laughs> right, seven right. years old now. <laughs> yeah, he'd be like, bro, if you don't, if you have a kid right now, you're not about to be on this podcast. Let me just shut that down. He just hit my reset button. <laughs> bro, you have no, my kids have already been, you, my daughter's been, you didn't see my son. My son went under all the wires, passed the damn softbox light, and <laughs> got over there and looked at me and messed with shit for an hour. <laughs> that's yeah trust me you're, you're doing the best thing ever brother best choice ever was to pass out you, see how, made it, you see how i made it now a choice that you passed out yeah thanks man <laughs> appreciate that she didn't understand it but it's all good question number three what's something weird that you recommend everyone tries at least once I feel like you got to try putting water in your cereal once. Like you do that and like, I, I don't even drink milk like that, but you put water in your cereal once and you really will respect milk a little bit more, bro. Milk gets a lot of hate and like, bro, stop hating on some milk. Put some water in your cereal. Man up. <laughs> I really feel like you got to do that, bro. You put some milk in your cereal. 
just so you can appreciate milk, bro. Milk is slept on. You know what? I, I have had to do that before just because we didn't have milk and cereal was yeah. for dinner. But, you know, as you said that, you're right. I appreciated the fuck out of milk, especially when it was ice cold. <laughs> yeah, bro. So enjoy the little things, man. I was just the first thing that came to my mind. I don't know if I got anything else, but... <laughs> Sleep so, on the floor sometimes. If you here's a here's a good piece of advice. If you can't if you're having trouble falling asleep in your bed, force yourself to sleep on the floor one day, and then the next day you go to sleep in your bed, you're gonna sleep like a baby. I grew up sleeping on couches, and you know what? I love sleeping on my couches. Own bed, bro, it fucks up your hip when you sleep just on one side. Oh. oh my gosh, you don't know that that cartilage down there gets worn down. Fun fact: I had to find out on my own, and I got hip problems, but. We're not going to admit that to the world. We're just going to say my hip is fine. Bro, I'm a grown man. I just slept on a couch. I just slept on my buddy's couch. How long? Like three days ago, bro. I'm on Memorial Day. No. When was it? Oh, bro. It was, yeah, it was literally three days ago from now. So on Saturday. I asked him. He had his big blow-up mattress for me. You know, he had his own room all set up. Bro, I was sitting on that couch watching TV, like had a few drinks. I was like, I looked at him. I was like, bro. You mind if I sleep on this couch right now? <laughs> I used to go for it. So I just go right to sleep. No, I ain't mad at you, brother. I'm not. I'm not. It, shit, I used to have moments where gangsters would come into the room and poke me on my shoulder and be like, hey, this is for me to sleep on, not you. And then I go from <laughs> the couch to the love seat, and then another gangster would tap me on my shoulder and have me move again. And next thing I know, I'm sleeping in the damn hallway. So, <laughs> bro. Do you know Post Malone used to live in someone's closet? Like, that's not a joke, bro. He was really living in someone's closet. <laughs> no, I didn't. I'm a huge Post Malone fan. So, no, I did not know that. You just... I had a I had a deal with him. I was supposed to do a video with him before he, like, really, really went big. Like, he was already big. Like, this was Post White Iverson and everything. But um, I was only 19 years old. I had to be 21 to be in the video. Like, the legal stuff fell through. So they said yes. They said yes and got my hopes up. They said where I was going to be and when. And then they were like, oh, yeah. Because it was when Beer Bongs and Bentleys was coming out. And I was supposed to levitate a beer bong. And he was supposed to take a beer bong before his show with me levitating the beer bong. They wouldn't let me do it because I wasn't 21. It would look it would look shady. That's fucked up. They allow 13-year-olds to be in Little League Baseball. Get the fuck out of here. I don't know what that means, but all right. <laughs> My point is that they cheat in baseball in the most biggest American sport. They can't allow it to cheat so that you look older. I don't know, man. I, I should reach back out as soon as I turn 21. I feel like I still have a chance. I let it, I let it go. Yeah, no. Dre London, tap in, tap in. Let this brother come back and do another one. You know, Post Malone's working on another album. So, you know, it's only right that they, we reinvent the wheel and do something right. Dre I would love London, that. Can somebody in. make that happen, please? Please. Yeah, no, no. Dre is the one to make it happen. Dre London, that's his manager. Yeah, yeah. All so, right, I'm going to do it. So, man, you survived my awareness segment. You survived my trading places, and you survived my impulse Q&A. And as a reward, I want you to promote what you're working on. You know, what are you most excited for coming up? You know, let's let's get to the extravagance of, of Chris Michael, everybody. I'm here to promote Salt Lamps, actually. No, I'm not. I'm just playing. I'm, I'm here to – so I got a show coming out. It was supposed to come out two days ago, but Amazon sent me a notification that they're experiencing delays. I've got a show coming out on Amazon Prime called Beyond the Magic. It shows you the behind-the-scenes of what a professional magician's life is like. It's not just about the show. It's about, like, what it's like. You get to see me bomb. The third episode, I, I bomb a really, really big gig, and it just sucks. You get to see me fall asleep while traveling. You know, you might even you might even see me get pulled over, which you actually do. So, like, you get to see all the stuff on the show um, – that like most people don't put out there because I want you to see how hard, not just I work, but people who are trying to make it to the level I'm, I'm making really, really get into. So that's coming out on Amazon, hopefully this week. And then um, the other thing is just go follow me on Instagram. Everything else that I need to promote, I'll promote there. Like Instagram is my baby right now. I'm building that up so I can build my TikTok. So Chris Mike, M-I-K-E, like not like Mike, M-I-C, M-I-K-E, magic, Chris Mike, magic. Give it a follow. I try to follow back as many people who I know come from this as possible, but it's hard to tell sometimes. So, Hey, you know, I got to ask this just because I've seen two videos of you doing it. How the fuck did you learn how to put a damn balloon down your throat like that and then poke at it? You know what's crazy what? about you saying that is I just today found out I have an infection in my throat from doing that, bro. I just got an, I have an infection in my throat from doing it, so... 
Oh my lord. Yeah, how I I used to swallow swords when I was 15, just as like a stunt devil thing, um, and I stopped and started doing balloons because I thought it was more on the comedy side, and uh, I guess you could still get hurt doing that. So look at you know lesson learned. I yeah, really swallow it. People think I don't. I really do. You know what? Everyone, it's it's not a wise thing to put balloons down your throat and get your throat infected during coronavirus. Because if he coughs, everyone's going to think he has it. Let me do this for the for the podcast. I'll do a trick for you, okay? So uh -huh. I've got, let me make my screen big so I can see. There's one, two, three, four, and five. Listen, if you guys continue to listen to this podcast, take the advice that me and, and Zai tell you. You're going to have $5 in your pocket. You might only be there. You might be putting water in your cereal. But listen to our advice and be able to turn those into hundreds. Man, so just listen what? to this guy. He knows can what he's talking me, about. Can you send me those one dollar bills so I can turn them into hundreds? My damn self. I don't know. I think you're breaking up. I can't. Are you there? Are you're you right? You're right. You're right. You know what? Stimulus check came out, and that was going from cashing to to actually having. I like that. That was brilliant, bro. Actually, I'm, as long as I don't get a bill, don't send me a bill for doing magic tricks on my show. I know. Well, hey, can you cancel that email? <laughs> uh, Thanks, man. man. I, I, I hope this – I always feel – I always get a good sense when I feel like something's good or not after podcast. I feel like I'm, I'm not even sure about this one because I'm so tired and there's so much going on in the world. So I hope that this was valuable for you guys. <laughs> I love the sarcasm. Uh, man, if you notice the show is unique, it's different. I try to do things like some of the other people just because there's formats that we're supposed to do, but I do everything against it. I try to break the rules so I can have real progress with, with the people I interview. And I'm like, how do I keep that same energy? The viewers knows it's coming and I ask you this question. Do you have any questions for me? Yes. Yeah, so Give your advice. This is this is very relevant to what's going on right now. Give your advice to somebody who is worried about all the destruction and everything that's going on because of the you know all the all the protests and stuff. What is your advice for somebody who's more focused on the damage than the result? You know, if you're gonna live a life of fear, you might as well go ahead and become a priest, become a pastor, start really digging into the church because, you know, that's gonna be your greatest results of how you're gonna reflect on life if you're gonna live in fear. You know, we're in a moment right now that you have to protest and be okay with believing in who you are and what you stand up and what you believe is right. And if you don't know what right looks like, start talking to somebody that does because, you know, we all have to get through this, we have to grow through this, and, you know, we have to to commence together in order for all of us to really have a change and have a difference all of that has to occur and you know they did it in the 60s they did it in the 70s they did it in the 20s they did it in the 1800s and so you know history repeats itself it's just up to us on how we evolve and how we make a difference and you know don't be so caught up in fear that it you know it makes you stop believing in happiness and this might be you know history repeats itself in the cycle this might be our one chance to break the cycle you know Sir, yes, sir. Absolutely. Right. Hey, thanks for having me on here. I really appreciate it. It's Contrast Uncut, Season 3, Episode 29. Man, big shout outs to Uncle Sleep's Army and Bobby D Presents. I appreciate you, brothers. I wouldn't be able to do incredibly dope shit like interviewing this dope magician. And, you know, not only did he give us a magic trick and broke it down that I was a part of changing $1 to $100 from $100, I mean, $500 to $5, you know, that makes me feel good. But he also broke down history. And, and the barriers that he had to go through to become successful, to become who he is today and who he wants to be in the future, it still takes the work today. Man, Chris Michael, I appreciate you, brother, coming on the show. Yeah, thanks, man, for having me. This is super awesome. Honestly, highlight of my of my quarantine. So I appreciate this. Hey, hey, that's a party moment. Hey everyone, it's celebrity magician Chris Michael. I just tuned in to Contrast Uncut. Huge shout out to Uncle Stoops Army and his manager, Bobby D. Hey.
right there there you go another episode of contrast uncut make sure if you enjoyed it you leave a comment below you hit some like buttons you hit some uh, subscribe you go ahead and hit share if you want to say something nice or say something you don't want to say at all you're not gonna hurt my feelings comment below did, did you tell him to subscribe yeah subscribe I know I said it but he's subscribe 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 you know, be a part of the family. Contrast uncut. The best way to be a part of the family is in the know. Turn on your notifications and hit that subscribe. Thank you.